Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Uh, glory to God. We're going to look in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Um, I'm actually uh, reading this out of the New King James at this time. And uh, we have been talking about the subject of, of uh, uh, actually running uh, your course or staying on course, uh, the call of God on your life, and, then, and we're picking up, and uh, uh, this is uh, winning the race, winning the race. So here we go. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain. Uh, so want to talk to you about your race today. Everybody, not, you know, you know what I mean, uh, the race, like it, car race, you know, that kind of race. And so, so your particular race um, is your race. Everybody has a race because it says all run, meaning all have a race. Now, your race may not be the same race as another race, uh, praise God, but you have one and you have been equipped uh, to win. You've been equipped to actually obtain. In other words, you are able to do everything and all that God has called you to do in the most excellent manner it can be done. And so I realize and recognize many of us have botched that up to this point. And so this is not a condemnation message. This is a hopeful message that the God who is all up and involved in your race is able to help you to get to the place where you're running down the road and all the gears are in place, all the engines tuned up, all the things that you need to have happen, have the right air in the tires, you have the right tread on the tires, you have the right fuel, you have everything that's needed. Because sometimes we have these different uh, aspects about a race that has a faulty thing here, a faulty thing there, that cause people not to win in a natural realm race. But in the supernatural realm race, God has equipped you. You have all that you need that pertain to life and godliness. And we have just received communion. And it's in there, in that place, and through that avenue of his death, burial, and resurrection that he gave that supply to you. And the Bible says that they that compare themselves by themselves are not wise. So we don't look at each other. I am not trying to necessarily uh, run the race you're running. But I can glean from you how you run. In other words, what's worked for you may work for me. And so that's where discipleship comes in, where we all need to have somebody in our life that's pulling us up, and we need to have somebody that we're pulling up. Y'all with me? And also those who we run with alongside of. So there's up, there's below, and there's right beside us in this race. I'm being trained, and I am a trainer. <laughs> Does this help you with your race? Glory to God. And so, so that word race is an interesting word. Um, uh, the Greek word is very similar uh, to the word, it's stadion, uh, but where we get the word stadium, uh, where in those days would be where all the athletic events took place. And so the, the best and most disciplined um, in their game would meet in the stadium. And when Paul referenced the race, he was talking about this kind of discipline, this kind of athlete, the ones who were the best. And he said, if you're going to run your race, then you want to run it to win that you may obtain. Jesus in Revelation says, I come quickly and my reward is with me. He's rewarding those who run their race. 
And we want, uh, when we come before him and when it's all over, we want him to say, well done, and not be a temperature rating. Some of you are getting that right now. We want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that right? And so, so we run our race in a fashion to win. We, we actually discipline ourselves. Paul said, I beat my body. In one translation, I beat my body and keep it under discipline and, and subjection. In other words, we have to, in order to win our race, we're going to have to put a leash on our flesh. Because your flesh will desire what's contrary. It'll fight you. And so it seems as though uh, developing the ability to win our race is going to have everything uh, about building and strengthening ourselves spiritually. Even though uh, the word says that, it, you know, that bodily exercise does have a profit, it profits a little bit, it's good, but not like building ourselves up spiritually, which has eternal value, that has actually value in this life and eternity. And so, uh, so I, I believe in working out and being, uh, you know, physically fit. I'm just really trying to stay in my pants. You know what I'm saying? That's basically it. I like to eat. If I don't work out, I'll look like a pear. I mean, I'm just like have this, you know. I would people say, oh, man, you, look, you must like to work out. I said, no, no, no. I'm just trying to keep my chest out in front of my stomach. So far, I'm ahead. It's just a race. You want to talk about a race? That's one of them, you know. So it's interesting what we do for our physical fitness, but what we don't do for our spiritual fitness. And so we, we need to be mindful that we are in a race. You have a specific race. You individually have a race. What is God telling you to do in order to perfect your race, in order to develop the ability to become excellent and be the best at your race? We could talk about cars. We could talk about football. We could talk about all the different sports and different um, aspects of training and disciplines. And, and one of the sports I despised was running. I hated to run. I hated, when I was in junior high, I decided, you know what, I should join track. I like to run. I decided I don't like to run. I was like, you want me to run how far? 400 yards. You know, I didn't like running 400 yards. I didn't like, did not like running 800. I ran an 800, thought I was going to die. I mean, your lungs, you know, my legs can handle it. I was really strong in my legs. But my lungs, I thought for sure I was going to cough one of those puppies up. <laughs> and the only way you can get better at it is by doing it. The only way you can get better at running is running. You know, I didn't mind running if somebody handed me a football. That had purpose. They're trying to get me. I didn't mind running with a football. I didn't mind running if I hit a baseball. I didn't mind that run. But that's not 800 yards. What is it, like 20 to first base? I don't even know. You know, I didn't mind that. Wrestling. We had to run in wrestling. I loved wrestling, and I tolerated running to wrestle. But you know what? Uh, if I didn't run, I wouldn't be the right weight. Because you had to get right down to the itty-nitty gritty. I was a Cambodian poster child. <laughs> and wrestling helps to go over the top of the favorite holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. All 
all of my friends and buddies are slamming all the cookies and eating all the stuff and turkey and dressing and potatoes and gravy and woo, glory to God, the things you're supposed to eat for those holidays. Not me. I'm eating like a rabbit and working like a horse. All for the sake of winning. I wrestled 101 as a freshman. Yeah, I didn't have to lose weight either. Then you get up and start growing really fast through high school and and wrestled, uh, I think I wrestled 115 as a sophomore and it was tough to stay there. And uh, man, the the things that you would have to sacrifice in order to win. And then my coach, he wanted me to wrestle there because that means his team will win. He needs me to strategically be at that weight. So I would have liked to eat just a little bit and be at 121. But no, he wants me at 115. And so to live there, I I mean, literally, I won a coach's war, and they took a a picture of me where I had won a match, and the the referee's got my hand in the air, and it looks like I'm hanging from the referee. I'm like, (laughs) I have to tell people, no, I won, really, honestly. He's not displaying a meat, you know, thing. It's... I mean, my, my eyes are black rings under them, sunken in cheeks. I kid you not, I look like a Cambodian poster child. Look like they, you know, hey, feed the children, give money. They would have gave, I'm telling you. It was like, oh, look at him. For what? For a prize? I can't even tell you honestly to this day other than, than I liked wrestling and I liked winning. That was about it. And then, then you want to please your coach. You want your coach to be happy. My coach had great influence in my life. He told me the story, you know, of being raised. His dad left home. There was, I don't know how many kids he made up, maybe 12 or something, and he had to quit school, work, you know. The coaches tell these stories. They're not even true. <laughs> but this is what he told me. He said, he said Andy, he said, he said, I want to develop in you young men. And this is when it was men wrestling. You young men. That when things get hard in your family, that you will not quit. You will not leave your wife. You will not leave your children. And it stuck with me. He put that never give up, never surrender inside me. So, so then a, a myriad of other coaches and influences in my life uh, that, that spoke into my life and said, you can't lose No one can take you down. No one can keep you down. And this gets programmed into you, these people of influence. And you start doing things that you never thought you would do. You start winning against champions because you walk out there differently than everyone else. You've done the training. You've done the discipline. You've ran and you've sucked weight. And and you go out there and explode and execute. And you win. And you stand at the top of the podium when it's over. And you are the winner of the tournament. You may not look like you won, but you go away with the prize. And sometimes people will size you up what you look like on the outside, but it's what's on the inside that makes you a winner. And some, some people have said it's not the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog. But really for us, it's the glory of Jesus Christ inside of you, the grace of God that's on you. 
People can't size you up of your stature, how cute or beautiful or smart. But really, this race depends on is your ability to answer to God and do what he says and deny yourself. Hallelujah. I don't know who painted it on this corral behind us, but it says a life lived to itself is a selfish life and it's of no value. It's a wasted life. So Jesus has you to win a race and this race is connected to humanity. How we conduct ourselves. Paul's uh, communication about this being a race means that we are in an arena. People are watching you. People are watching you. And so it's very important for us to live our lives in, in alignment with God's word and live it in a way, in a fashion that would draw them in. So many Christians were coming into the kingdom of God um, back then because they were burning Christians and feeding Christians to dogs and, and to bears and to lions and, and burning them for light in the arena. And they would go out of this world gloriously worshiping God and the light of God would shine on them and, and people were flooding into the kingdom of God. And you would think that being fed to bears would be a problem for people. But what did they see? They saw something they could not understand. Years ago, uh, I'll never forget, some guy called the church. And he said, I have a question for you. It was late at night, and uh, we were on, uh, uh, what is it, Western down there. And uh, Oki is where our church was located, just right next to a strip bar. But anyway, that's near, neither here nor there. Uh, just odd. Anyway, so, so this guy calls, and I answer, which I didn't normally do um, after, you know, 6, 7 o'clock. But I did. And he said, I got a question for you. I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to know what gives people the courage to speak on a stand and they know they're going to be killed for what they say. And I'm like, can you elaborate on that, sir? He said, well, these guys, he said, you understand, I'm a part of a group that does some pretty bad things. And I just call on your church find out what gives these alleged born-again Christians the courage to sit on a stand and tell on the people who they worked for before, previously, without any fear. And so I'm like trying to figure, okay, what do I say to this guy? That once you get born again and you have the confidence that you're a child of the living God, then all your fears are gone. Because Jesus literally came to set us free from fear. Jesus came to liberate us from the fear of death. It says all of our life we're subject to bondage because of the fear of death. So once you're liberated, man, nothing doesn't matter. Man, you just sit on the back porch with a popsicle, go out your mind. Glory to God. Woo! <laughs> so this guy's tripping. And apparently he's a part of, um, uh, you know, some sketchy uh, group. Uh, that are running drugs, money, women, all that. And he was disoriented with them. And he saw these people. He sat in the, in the courtroom and watched those guys commit suicide by speaking and telling. And he was so like, oh, my gosh. I think he was thinking, give me that courage. 
And so he told me his story. He was disoriented because they killed his girlfriend. And he said, what I'm about to do is going to get me killed. And I said, sir, well, I tell you what I want to do. I want to pray with you before I hang up this phone so that you can know, too, that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. End up praying from, with this guy. And I have no idea if I'll get to see him in heaven or not. But God has a race for us to run. And when you run your race, it'll take you into a place where you never expected to be. And I suspect that those, those people, those men that did that testifying, God had them strategically there. And their race affected this man. And this man came and tapped into my race. Does this make sense? Everybody has a race. Everybody's watching. We need to run our race as one to obtain and to get the prize. And listen, there is no condemnation. How you've ran your race before has no bearing on this moment. This is where you choose. This is where you decide. This is where you say, I will run my race with excellence. And uh, in the natural, I had to quit eating burgers and fries. I had to quit, actually literally quit eating. I lived like a rabbit. And uh, it was brutal. But yet, I would win. I would go to state. And uh, one, of the, one of the last wrestling events I had, I wrestled the state champion from the year before. And uh, I had developed the ability to not be afraid anymore. There's a certain element of butterflies. Anybody who's played sports knows what I'm talking about. Before you go out onto the court, before you go out onto the field, before you stand in the blocks to run, all that detail, whether you're getting ready with the whistle to blow for wrestling, there's a certain amount of anxiousness, anticipation, and once you cross over into an arena of confidence, then all of that becomes power. And so when they blow the whistle, there's an explosion, and it's just ability and execution. And you just are walking out what you've already envisioned, what you've already spoken, what you have already dreamed, and that's how we walk, that's how we run, and that's how we win. And we come into this atmosphere and obtain the strength to face any challenge that would try and stop us from winning our race. Praise God. And that sounds all well and good, but this is done on a daily basis. And this is very practical. They're watching. So when you stub your toe, what do you say? Do you say Jesus or do you say, oh, beep? <laughs> what comes out of you? And this is very practical. This is very, now I'm going to get real practical. How do you act when they disappoint you? And God will deal with you on your level, wherever you're at. When I first got saved, he began to deal with me. What was I doing? Everything. There were things that I immediately knew. I know God was sharing these things with me. I knew that I cannot do drugs and smoke weed and those kind of things, nor can I have their plants in my home. Over the fence they went. Some poor sinner thought God was blessing them, I'm sure. <laughs> Flushed the others down the toilet. And God just began to slowly deal with me about stuff. 
I remember early, I mean, literally within the first week of being born again, going out on the flight line at Nellis Air Force Base and, and going out there and cussing like I did before and Holy Spirit immediately talking to me. And it was a weird sense. I didn't know about being led by the Holy Ghost. But that, when we talk about race, which sounds very spiritual and out there mystical, but it's very basic and it's brass tacks meets the road. People are watching. I got airmen. I got young men. I've got people all around me watching. So now I cuss and I go, oh, whoa, what was that? Holy Spirit, that's not what we're to do. I get it. We're done with cussing. You're like, is it that easy, Pastor Andy? It was for me. Holy Spirit empowered me, gave me the ability to not do that anymore. And let me tell you this, it isn't over, 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 because every once in a while, even to this day, those words will jump up in my brain and I'll be like, what? Wait, I can't say that. But my flesh really wanted me to say that. My flesh. And I'm like, you shut up. We don't talk like that anymore. I can't express myself in that way anymore. That's what, what God would have me to do is to suppress those fleshly habits and speak to people differently. You do not have to be intelligent to say those words. It actually says just the opposite. And so, so I can actually talk without those words in the sentences now. I know that it's getting real quiet in here and I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just telling you, this is the type of race. And this is the type of discipline God is requiring of us because people are watching and we're drawing them into the program. And they were drawn into the program. Many of those airmen at that Air Force base got born again. I brought them to church. I filled my van with them and their lives were changed. And they too quit cussing and, and, and uh, uh, drinking Jack Daniels while loading live bombs on the flight line nor doing acid. I could go on. Scare every one of you. Every one of you who lives close to Nell Air Force Base anyway. <laughs> it scares me when I talk about it. It's like, we were crazy. One of our supervisors quit. He just lost his mind because, oh my goodness. But Jesus changed all that. See, the power of God hits one person and it affects all kinds of people if we will run our race. If we don't look any different, nobody will know. And they were asking, what happened to you? One at a time, those buddies of mine, what happened to you? I would tell them, they'd go, oh, and run off. But eventually they'd come back. And eventually many of them got saved. So you run your race. And you stay in your, your lane and you do what God's told you to do. God dealt with me about um, alcohol and uh, I didn't even know that that would be something he cared about. Because I was raised Catholic, even the priest drank. He went to the bar, smoked cigarettes this long, and uh, drank Jack. You know, Jack was one of my friends. Daniels, if you don't know. Anyway. Yeah. And many others. And uh, the Holy Spirit dealt with me. And I said, oh, yes, sir. Copenhagen. I chewed Copenhagen. I thought for sure that's a Christian thing to do. Right? You, you don't light it. You don't suck it in, but it was the last thing kind of to go. And it was harder than any of the others. I quit everything else just because he had talked to me about it. Yes, sir. I get it. You don't want me to do that. He said so about Copenhagen. I was like, really? You, you, you want that one too? 
I mean, it was in me. Chewing, I chewed since I was like 12. I smoked weed since I was 12. And mind you, this is when I was 19 years old. And so I had those years, those seven years of doing those things, and they become a part of your soul. They're not just in your flesh, they're in your soul. I mean, literally, I dreamed about chewing Copenhagen. I spit on my pillow when I, <laughs> after, after I quit. I mean, it was in there. I'm like, dang. So I get it. So I'm not talking to you from a position of, of uh, you know, I'm not just saying, ah, you need to be, quit doing all that bad stuff. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit will talk to you, and he will empower you if you just say yes. I really want to run my race as one who wants to obtain. I want to be to everyone around me, that person in the arena. You know, when you see good athletes, you're like, man, it would be great to be as good as they are. They are so good. You see Minister Floyd sing. You're like, man, I wish I could sing like Minister Floyd. Glory to God. We just see, we admire. Now, we are not necessarily called to sing or to be a basketball player, a football player, but we are called to do excellent as believers and run our race as one who is running to obtain the prize, the high calling of God. He's calling us up. He's calling us out. You want to talk about mountain climbing? That people will go to a certain level and they'll have to stay there until their blood adapts. The oxygen levels are different, see? And you can hurt yourself if you keep climbing without having your blood adapt. And so you are climbing. You are going forward. God is adjusting you. God is preparing you for that higher place. Make sure that you get what you need to get at where you're at. Make the adjustments so that you can move up to the next level. You don't want to be stuck somewhere. It's easy to talk about those things that I just talked about, about uh, sexual promiscuity, about alcohol, cussing, smoking, whatever those things are. And I am not telling you to do that right now. I'm telling you to obey God. And some people come to me and say, you know, God's been dealing with me about alcohol. I'll just tell them, that's between you and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. Just do what he says, and I'm telling you, you'll be blessed. I was listening to a, a lot of secular music, obviously, when I got saved. A friend of mine said, if you'll give that to Jesus, he'll give you 100 times more. All I needed was 100 times more. Really? Oh, he can have them. Gave him all of them. Here's my albums. They were the vinyl. You know, Here you go, Jesus. I think we went out and shot him or something. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But again, I can't tell you where you are in your race. But I'm just saying, get in it and make whatever adjustments he tells you to make. And you'll never be disappointed. And he will give you 100 times more than you give to him. Praise God. And you can be excellent. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.